0: Welcome to Hadley Presents. I'm your host, Ricky Enger, inviting you to sit back, relax, and enjoy a conversation with the experts. In this episode, we talk with associate producer Joe Stregier about his work on the Apple TV Plus series, C. Welcome to the show, Joe.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me on. It's it's a great pleasure. Uh, I believe in what Hadley does. The Hadley Institute for the Blind has uh, uh, been a part of my life and also uh, my family's life as well.
0: Awesome. That's always great to hear. We love hearing from our learners, past, present, uh, and, and future. So before we jump into a uh, pretty much spoiler-free discussion of the new series, tell us a little about you and kind of how you came to be a part of the show.
1: It's been a roundabout way, I guess. Uh, I've worked in entertainment really part-time and, and full-time for little pieces of, of time. When I was working for the American Foundation for the Blind, I worked there like seven years. Once in a while, we'd get requests from different en- entertainment pieces. Like I, I helped on some documentaries, helped find some people who are blind or low vision for them. And then for casting for some shows when they were looking for actors who are blind or low vision or commercials or something like that. And then... Uh, I worked with the writer's room on a show for the USA Network called Royal Pains for three episodes, giving them ideas and slang as a person who is blind and things that they could write into the story about uh, the movements of the character or whatever. And later on, we got this quest from a production and it was very vague and we didn't know whether it was a reality show and there was a person who was blind on the reality show or if it was a character and, and... they sent it to me because I was an orientation and mobility instructor, and I'd worked on a lot of the entertainment and stuff and uh, written about it as well. And so I, I reached out to them, and they didn't know what they really needed. So I, I helped them design the job description, and it turned out to be Marvel's Daredevil on Netflix. So I worked on season one of that, you know, working on scripts and props, and so I also helped, you know, train the actors and and some background. And uh, later on, I left uh, the American Foundation for the Blind and. I, funny story. I, I moved on a Thursday to Pennsylvania. Uh, I was going to start on Monday as the director of the Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services for Pennsylvania. I arrived on Thursday. Friday morning, I get a phone call. This individual says, you know, I'm a producer on a show and one of our other producers worked with you on Marvel's Daredevil. We have this character in our show who's the lead character and and actually the show's been created by that lead actor and uh, we want you to work with her and we wondering what your schedule's like over the next month if you could come in and spend that time with her and i'm like well i'm starting a new job on monday full time and uh to leave a full-time job, it, it's a big deal. But um, Apple—I I guess I seem to be one of the top people. But they interviewed apparently other people, and they said they learned quickly that I was the person they wanted. I met with like the head of the studio, Jen o. Toppin, and uh, Stephen Knight, the creator of the show, and and they told me I had the job. So I started reviewing scripts. It turned out the job was going to be full-time. After a while, we realized. <laughs> so I uh, left my job on July 27th, it started on July 30th, and. British Columbia, where we filmed for nine months and then another month, so about 10 months.
0: So for people that have not really heard about the show or just have a very basic familiarity with it, what's a, what's a synopsis? What is this thing about?
1: What I would tell you, a viral apocalypse happens somewhere between now and maybe 100 or 200 years from now. Most of the population of the earth is killed off, so we're down to a few million people left on earth. And those emerge blind, and then our show takes place like probably four or five hundred years later than that, and so the civilizations and societies have built out uh small groups and tribal where infrastructure has been destroyed, but it 's rebounding, and you see the the plant life and the and the beauty of uh, this landscape that's rebounding from that abuse earlier on. But these populations are isolated areas, living off what is available in those areas. So they all have different aspects to their societies. You know, our main group of the alchemy, you'll see, uh, is in a mountain uh, area. And like, so they have access to, they have a lot of rope stuff. Uh, They have a lot of rock and and some limited metal and other supplies. But you'll see how they build their civilization is due to what, what surrounds them, what they have access to. But really, the, the story is, is, is not really about blindness. It's about a family trying to protect their own. And, and vision is seen as a heresy, like something that's maybe it caused some problems, like help destroy the earth, they feel. And the world seems to be doing better in some ways. So there's these people trying that believe that vision is a heresy, and they're searching out where these twins who are born with vision, so the family's trying to protect them. And you see their journey as a family, and I would tell you that it was kind of like building a plane while you're flying it, and figuring all the different aspects out. But uh, it was it was exciting to work on.
0: And as an associate producer, you probably had a hand in a number of these aspects of the show. So which you know which parts of the machinery of producing a show uh, were you able to work on?
1: So I, I worked on scripts early on and providing suggestions. In the script wise, you see aspects. I, I had lists of suggestions, little things around blindness. I, I became more and more involved in the show as we shot, but even before I in the prep, we spent a couple months prepping in person, you know, working with a movement team, a movement director, and and these people specialized in looking at the little movements. That most people don't pay attention to. We helped create postures uh, for the different groups uh, that have been in these, you know, isolation. We created different types of movement, how they would move, what they use their tools. Really, in the blindness stuff, I, you know, I worked with the lead actors. I worked with the other actors. I worked with the production designers, working with the stunt team as well. Like. I got to work, touch everything. You see pieces uh, throughout, like figuring out, working with the fight coordinator, you know, to figure out fighting and, and how we could do it. Like we, we did some experimenting and I've been in a few fights in my day. And uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But we just played around a bit and and how I use sound. And, and, you know, it's a sensitive thing talking about the portrayal of blindness. And we start out, I met with every person that came on to the production, whether they're cast or production crew, and talked to them about the misconceptions around blindness. And there have been a lot of comical portrayals of blindness and disability. And this is not one of them. Apple and our production, C, are committed to respect around blindness. And really, Dan Schatz, who was our showrunner, really emphasized that. and. Uh, him and I worked really closely together to make sure we built a community uh, and built a culture that respected blindness and disability in a different way.
0: And I think for a lot of people, this is their first experience with blindness in kind of a a non-stereotyped way. And yet they're tasked with creating this world where everybody's blind and it has to be believable. It has to be Authentic. And so, what was that process like in training people to kind of think blind? And did you have like any surprises during that whole process?
1: You know, I learned as much as uh, our cast did. And, and you know, we, we, when working with the actors, I always start with that conversation of education and awareness. And I moved to training them in the skills that people who are blind use every day. I use sleep shades for training, just as I've trained thousands of people who are blind or low vision in the US and making sure that they're concentrating on their senses. It's not so they know what it's like to be blind, but it's so they get those skills and they focus on those senses and and how sound changes. And it was interesting to see how actors... Their skill with hearing, or how able they are to hear things, or to feel things, was different, and and our show is science fiction, so we play on some of that uh, with these expanded senses uh, in this this future time period where people have been blind for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so we brought in these actors who are blind or low vision, We had uh, who were extremely talented and beat out people with sight for those roles. They weren't chosen for their blindness or their low vision. They were chosen for their talent. And throughout the process, I had an orientation around blindness, like 10 pages that each person got, everyone in the production, uh, talking about blindness and uh, misconceptions, but also about our world and Then also I shared videos about successful people who are blind or low vision friends that recorded five minutes or less videos about themselves and their path and how different each person is and their experiences and being able to bring people and help them understand that, uh, that each person is different and their skills are different, their, their life has been different. And I think that's the greater awareness that cast and our production had. And you saw that every day when, when these actors who are blind or low vision or background who are blind or low vision or stunned performers who are blind or low vision came and, uh, and the crew embraced it and, and learned from them. The cast learned from the other cast who are blind or low vision. It was kind of a very cool and unique thing, something I've never seen in my life.
0: Yeah, no doubt it helped to kind of put a face on blindness because it's not just one representative it's um we're we're all human and we're all different and being able to show that in an authentic way probably went a long way toward bringing this all together and making it an inclusive place to be so how about the cast who are uh blind or are low vision how you know was the casting process any different uh were there differences in how filming was done just with these cast members as opposed to other people, or things that helped to create a more inclusive environment for everyone with cast members who were blind and those who weren't.
1: I, I like to talk about our show as you know, we were building the plane while flying it. I came on and I ended up, uh, you know, part of my job became, uh, you know, making sure we accommodated the actors who are blind or low vision or other disabilities as well and uh, making sure that what they had needed to do their job so they could focus on the day on acting. So they don't have to be an advocate all the time. But in the beginning, you know, it was a work in progress. A lot of people are are used to having to uh, really seek out and advocate for themselves constantly. And when, when you're offering that assistance, sometimes they feel that you're treating them differently, but we're just trying to make their job Easier, and make sure that they're able to just focus on why they're there. A lot of people embraced it, and uh, Mary Lee Talkington is a fantastic talent, and uh, she has been on NCIS and New Amsterdam, and yeah, Bree Klauser, uh, who's in the low twenties, like 21 or 23 or something. And these people are amazing. Pretty cool stuff talented people. We had a Canadian Paralympian who has world records in swimming in our show. We, you know, we, we did change the casting process. We, we learned from it as we went and our casting team really changed how they did things. Uh, we looked for people that had uh, some experience in acting or theater or some kind of training or interest around it. So when they came in, the casting team would work with them and also give them feedback that they could take to other auditions in the future, whether they made it for our show or, or some other show. Plus, uh, we did it, use a self-tape. Uh, Method, which is not uncommon, but where people can record their videos. But most of these people who are blind or low vision hadn't done that. They hadn't had that opportunity. Maybe they've been cast for theater or something like else, but we would coach them, our casting team, and give them tips and advice on how to do it and what they're looking for, and then even feedback after the fact. Typically, you put in an audition and you might not hear back at all. And so they changed the process. And, uh, and I think we're better for it. And, uh, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe that'll be something new for other productions.
0: And were there differences in blocking or differences in helping people to kind of hit their mark during filming that might have been different from, say, if you're doing something on a stage in the theater, and you have that experience, what was different about filming, do you think?
1: That was one of my initial questions and points, you know, first mark and last mark, we call it, right? So making sure that there are are visible marks sometimes that you can use or tactile. And so we made sure that we had uh, marks that the people could access and until they get it down the movements. And it could be just as simple as uh, putting down some kind of surface in that spot and the last spot, or it could have been moving some rocks around so you can feel it with your feet. Every actor who is blind or low vision, especially as as we moved on, we gave them that opportunity to go and explore and, and figure out what works best and make sure that we met their needs, whatever that was. One of the actors, who's a prominent actor who lost vision later in life, and she said she's never had anyone contact them and ask, what format do you want your script in? Do you want a PDF? Do you want a, a Word document? Do you want... I want that you also want your lines cut out specifically by scene uh to have that separate as well uh all of that we asked ahead of time uh, as we went on we learned what we were doing and and made it better and better it was a continual process and we'll continue to learn from what what we did in season one if we have the opportunity in season two to take it there and and build on it
0: and i think that's super cool that that you're inclusive to the point that you want everyone to be able to use the tools that they're accustomed to, to be able to, as you say, concentrate on acting rather than having to think about learning a new tool or using a new tool and doing what they're there for, which is to to act.
1: The addition to that is though, what i what I, I really thought about is every actor prepares differently whether they're sighted blind or low vision and you're just meeting their needs and you would do it for anyone else it's just asking a few different questions that you might not ask another actor some of the things that we used with the actors who are blind or low vision or i use in my life i showed uh, the actors with sight or the directors or producers and they started using those tools like voice Dream reader, you know, like that app uh, to read uh, scripts, like to go over them initially. If you have low vision, you can highlight stuff too, but uh, you can cut stuff. And so a lot of the people who are not blind or low vision started using some of the technology uh, and they all learned about voiceover and how it works on the iPhone. And actually voiceover inspired one of the pieces in our, in episode one, Jason Momoa and I, you know, we spent a lot of time together and everyone was pretty much like, I, I use voiceover on my iPhone and uh, I use it at the fastest speed you can. So he was listening to the speech and, and he listens to some metal music, like speed metal and other things. And he heard this band, uh, I think they're called Arc Spire or something like that. And they're, they're one of the fastest drummers and, and the fastest lyrics out there. And he's you know native Hawaiian. Uh, he does this haka. And uh, and he brought in that band because it sounded like voiceover to him. He's like, I think I want to do something like that that sounds like voiceover, but in a haka in my world to get people pumped up. And so that's what inspired that.
0: That's an interesting story. And just one way that technology that you use just in your daily life ended up influencing people who aren't blind or low vision. And that happens a lot, I think. So do you, do you think that C, even though we never really thought about, well, hmm, let's go live in a dystopian world where, you know, everyone's blind and there is no technology. Do you think that C, um, even if you hadn't thought about that, have they done a nice job of creating a believable world? Like, this is how things could have played out if this actually happened?
1: I do. I think, like, the show is a big what if, you know, like uh, Stephen Knight would say, what if? this happened? What if this was the case? Because you have to think, like, if you look how uh, the ropes are in the alchemy village, you know, in a world where you don't have to worry about people with sight designed for them. It's designed to make your life easier and simpler. If you go to Europe or Asia, they have raised lines in the sidewalks. Uh, in different places to help guide people, or if you walk into a train station in certain parts of Europe, there'll be different lines going in different directions to guide you to different points. Going off of something like that, this world, our production designer Caroline, and uh, also our uh, our costume designer Trish Somerville, uh, who you you'll never experience what those costumes were. They had sense soaked into them, or kind of dyed into the clothing. Like, so it would be specific. They have sounds to them. It's all meant to be something that you would appreciate as a person who is blind versus, uh, you know, the, the sighted world production design. It was so talented. They had amazing teams thinking about this and I would meet with them and they would bounce off ideas. One of my mentees, uh, he's, his name's Kai and he's from Georgia. He came up to visit and we brought him the set and uh, he spent a day with me and uh, and seeing some of the work I did. And uh, we went to meetings. We bounced around ideas for future sets and they got to participate in that and see how we, we think about things. And But it, it was great to bring him up and, and show him that world too. And, and show what's possible you know like I'm a person who's blind and I'm getting to help guide uh, and, and work with an amazing team like that.
0: Was there ever a point where either something that he suggested or something that you suggested maybe the the designers or scriptwriter had this really cool thing in mind and you all went yeah no that's not gonna work and the direction really had to change.
1: Definitely, definitely, and and you see more and more of episodes four through seven, especially of my like suggestions around what what could be uh, in the scripts and little aspects and things from my life. Our movement director brought in these experts, uh, like a guy on wilderness survival, one a whip master. Uh, so I spent time with all these people, little things like, you know, wilderness survival and blindness have some similarities. You know, when when you, wilderness survival, as you enter a new environment, you stop and you, you plant your feet and you, you start to breathe and take some deep breaths and slow down your breathing and try to bring your body to the the pulse of the environment you're entering. When I teach orientation and mobility, I would uh, tell people to plant their feet When they're unsure and uh, become a tree listen stop and listen and uh, listen to the environment whether it's listening to an intersection or just listening to where the the traffic is what what direction the traffic's going in or what's around you what are the sounds you hear and the layers of sound and and peel them back and that's a lot of wilderness survival and and you'll see that in in our world in the scripts because of it episodes one through three i was on set but as we got further in, I got closer and closer to the director, Francis Lawrence, who's a, a genius. Into the episodes, I was like starting the video village, then get closer to set, closer to set. By episode three, I was close to him. By episode four and five, where Anders was the director, I had been bringing these suggestions here and there, and, and he said, made this announcement, stopped everyone at set. I want you every day standing right next to me as we're directing, and so I, I was involved in all the blocking of the scenes and and then from then on that was the norm for the rest of the episodes and and even later on in scenes where there there's no character who's blind in it i had input on stuff i think about things differently sound or or the study of behaviors or or how people might react to something and i brought that to our show and they allowed me to do that so I, i just feel so lucky
0: As we wrap up here, I just have one last thing that I'm really curious about. And that is obviously, the show is not, you know, here's your reference manual for what it's like to be blind or whatever. It's fantasy. But up to now, we really haven't seen blindness portrayed in the media in any way other than, as you say, comic relief or something that's really stereotypical or whatever. And so, this is pretty unique. Are there things outside the story that you're hoping sighted and blind viewers, for that matter, will take away from the show about blindness?
1: I would tell you that I, I think showing people living everyday lives um, as people who are blind, they're warriors, they're lovers, they're typically portrayals of blindness. They're showing a person with a disability, you need help or something else, you're in the corner, or whatever, you're walking by. In this world, we're lovers, we're heroes, we're villains, we're warriors, cutting people up <laughs> deeper than that. We're family, parents. Uh, we're all the above, and and I, I think that takes what has been done in the past and throws it on its head. You know, it's science fiction for sure, like you said, in fantasy and 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 expanded on in that. Meant, it's meant to be science fiction and fantasy. It's it's the world of sea. It's not our current world. I think. That's the big thing. And I would say the actors learn that, you know, that so many differences in people and in and blindness and, and how we do things, but we're just people. And embracing disability and, and differences. And, and I think the world of entertainment hasn't done a lot of that. I think, uh, you know, this is just a start a stepping stone. And uh, I think we're just going to continue to move forward. You know, we work with such an amazing, talented team who uh, care so much and, and really, and making an entertainment show. Like, you know, it is entertainment when it comes down to it. And uh, and we hope you enjoy it on Apple TV Plus, which is accessible and offers audio description in uh, eight or nine languages. Uh, And you can access all eight or nine languages no matter where you are. Also, with closed captioning, uh, you have access to like some ridiculous number of closed captioning languages too. Like it's unheard of, and, you know. Apple does it in all their products, and and why wouldn't they do it in Apple TV Plus? So because Sarah Herrlinger works so hard to make sure Apple's eye is on it, and Tim Cook believes it. You know, Tim Cook visited set, and I got to spend time with him, and uh, he spent time with some of our actors. who are legally blind, and our actors who are not, and you know, there was more security than if he was the president when Tim Cook comes <laughs> at the end of our time. And we spent a lot of time talking about all the stuff and the accessibility and what, how we thought about things. And at the end of that time, we went up for like a, uh, kind of like a handshake thing. And I pulled him into, you know, the uh, bro hug. And, uh, and, uh, and at first he was like stiff and like uh, uncomfortable, like, and then he went into it and then later on i, in, I would the end of march i was at the launch for when they talked about the different shows with all these hollywood folks and uh i was there as one of the producers of the show and i think i was talking to jennifer garner at the time but he comes up from behind me and hugs me from behind <laughs> and then i got to talk to him and he thanked me for being there and uh just excited and uh you know tim cook believes in diversity and inclusion and he believes in he's very passionate about it so this is the first step this is just apple's brand right like it just carries forward to the production but uh, and making sure their entertainment world is doing the same thing that their their company's been doing for years
0: and it's it's definitely a welcome change and i hope we see more of that where in entertainment and in casting and so on blind people are seen as people who are complex and some of us are great and some of us uh, maybe have a lot of work to do, but we're people. And I think that should be showcased in anything that's going to portray blindness realistically. Very, very cool. If you have those of you listening, if you haven't watched C yet, uh, Apple TV plus five bucks a month. I mean, that's kind of a bargain I'd say I think the first two episodes you can watch without doing anything. I think one episode. One episode. Yeah. Okay. And then.
1: One episode's free. And then you could, there are people that you can get a week free, I think, depending on, I guess, your Apple products. If you buy a new Apple product, you get a year free, your subscription for 99 a month. Um, you can access it through your iOS devices, through the TV app, or else uh, you can access it, you can download the app on your other, other types of devices, whether Amazon Fire or uh, through Roku and so on.
0: Yeah, you can AirPlay to your TV if it supports that. So a lot of different ways to do that. And again, all of the original content on Apple TV Plus does have audio description, which is also nice.
1: And a little note about that is something that they di- Apple did differently and Apple accessibility. Typically, when you listen to audio description on a show uh, and you have it enabled, you don't get the same sound that everyone else does. They, it moves to a different type of track, like more of a mono track, and you don't get the same sound. But Apple TV+, Plus, when you're listening to the show, whether it's on with audio description or without, you get uh, up to Adobe Atmos sound. And uh, whatever the, the best sound quality you can get on your system, uh, so the that audio description doesn't mean you're getting less of the sound experience, and our show has an amazing sound experience
0: it really does and uh, I mean there there were design choices deliberately made where sound is super important, so you don't want to be missing any of that well Joe, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to tell us a few stories and Uh, join us and kind of tell us about your experiences on the show if people want to ask you additional questions or they just want to say hey thanks for what you do or whatever how can they contact you
1: they can reach out to me um you know and if we have actors who are blind or low vision out there uh Uh, who are interested in hear about when uh, we're putting out information. We'll be sending information out about auditions if we have a season two. It'll go through like the American Council of the Blind, uh, uh, National Federation of the Blind. It'll go through different groups. We'll probably send it Hadley, Whomever uh, can get the information out. But you can also reach out to me. My email address is J-S-T-R-E-C-H-A-Y at gmail.com and so it's like my first initial last name at gmail.com you can find me on youtube i have a youtube channel where i talk about blindness and many different aspects of my life but also uh, about transitioning to employment and all those fun things joe stretch if you search on youtube you'll find it also you can find me on instagram similarly joe stretch And on Twitter, I think at J Stretch, uh, I think it's at J Stretch, I might be at Joe, but something like that. uh, You can find me on there and uh, with a little search and uh, look for me on LinkedIn as well.
0: And we'll have all of those things in the show notes. So for those who don't want to go looking for it, we'll take care of that. And uh, you'll be able to find Joe pretty much wherever he is, (laughs) which is nice. Thank you again, Joe, for joining us. Thank you all for listening. Once you're done here with the podcast, go check out C if you haven't already. Thanks for joining. Got something to say? Share your thoughts about this episode of Hadley Presents or make suggestions for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast at hadley.edu. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at hadley.edu or leave us a message at 847-784-2870. Thanks for listening.